Hi there, and welcome to the Skylight Books author reading series. If you'd like to learn more about us and our many upcoming author events, please visit skylightbooks.com, where you can browse our inventory, buy books, and join our Friends with Benefits Club. You can also follow us on Twitter, Tumblr, and Facebook. To speak to a real live bookseller like me, please call 323-660-1175. Thanks for your support, and enjoy. We're lucky to have our guest today, Portia Oleiwola. Portia Oleiwola is from the future. Black, poet, queer, dyke, hip-hop, feminist, womanist, Portia is a native of Chicago who now resides in Boston. A writer, performer, educator, and curator, she uses Afrofuturism and surrealism to examine historical and current issues in the black, woman, and queer diasporas. She is an individual World Poetry Slam champion and artistic director at MassLeap, a literary youth organization. Olayiwola is an MFA candidate at Emerson College and is the current Poet Laureate for the city of Boston. And I shimmer sometimes too, her debut poetry collection, Poems Dip Their Hands Deep Into the Fabric of Black Womanhood, pulling out all of its threads. Olayiwola stands firmly in the lineage of black queer poetics, drawing equally on the work of Audre Lorde and Donna Smith. As Ronnie K. Stevens put it in writing about the book, these poems recognize the literary tradition, they master form, push boundaries, they hold vigil with what was, and anticipate what will be. Let's have a very warm welcome for Portia Oliwola. Hi, how's it going? Good, how are y'all? Um, I'm gonna read poems, is that okay? Yeah, you're like, that's why we came here. <clears throat> this first one is really long. Um, so feel free to close your eyes if you wish, if you trust, um, you know, or just not do that, you know. Um, it's called, Had My Parents Not Been Separated After My Father's Traffic Stop, Arrest, and Deportation from the United States of America. We might all be sitting about the pink kitchen table with the white legs. My father, a taxi driver might have come home late in the evening with two large chuck steaks, bloodied red, fresh, best he could bring. He might have seasoned the meat, his thick brown hands gently letting loose salt how God did earth. He might lay a sheet of cayenne over the flesh, a homeland conquered by sun, a fire gouge between cheeks, eyes watering a flag of surrender. My father might have survived the night to serve us. My father, with his skin shining, his head smooth, might have built me a treehouse in the front yard with tools from his orange metal box. And my mother, sharp, discerning, the quiet keeper of sacred emblems like our family's marrow, might have never let me climb in that treehouse because as it were, gunshots littered our streets the way the dead plagued a hospital. Had my father not been deported, he and my mother might have had another child. It's likely they build a new back porch and have a garden with peppers, just like our neighbor Ronnie. 
My mother might grow a row of cabbage, all green and light, tight and bald like fists. It'd be a Wednesday, and my father, my brother, and I might whisk our bikes down Lakeshore Drive, or pitch a tent in the backyard, or watch Terminator, or the movies where Eddie Murphy played a cop from Beverly Hills. My father may have been filled with enough cracks in his face to cause an earthquake of laughter to ripple through our home. One dusk, with light gleaming in from our living room windows, I imagine he might step into my mother's, one of my mother's bright silk dresses, the purple one. He'd squeeze his feet into her pumps and prance around the house he bought her as a gift years before. My mother might have giggled at my father's silliness and he may have sauntered over to her with his palm down and his wrist bent as though he was expecting to have his hand captured by a long-awaited love. And my mother might have said something like, man, if you don't take off my good dress, you finna buy me another one. And my mother may not have really been mad and you could tell by how she cocked her neck back into the side, alabaster gleaming a curve into her face she would have smiled through the threat. And my father might have held her around the waist with one arm and pulled her into his chest, how I do the woman I love when I miss her so much it aches. And my parents may have kissed, maybe on the lips, and my father, fool, may have reached his hand to my mother's string of beads, removed it, and placed the necklace over his own head to lay along his chest. Her earrings made dance from his lobe, and my father, a man who gave like a tree, might have lined his fingers over my mother's tombed heart and swayed his hips to its cadence. Continent, from the Latin contenir, meaning to contain. An island vast, Pangea drifting, a land mass beyond. It is soil to be conquered, hadn't it already been ashore, anxious for the ocean, a horizon as gilded partition. What is a continent apart from separation, a fence in which I peer through voids, a place afar I know not how to extend my frame, a bed for a daughter, a tomb for a father, waves and waves and waves. God is good. Okay, that was a test. There, this is a call and response. We're going to try it again. If you think you know it, just shout it out. You know, I trust you. You have to trust yourself, right? We're going to try it again. God is good? Oh, that was not. Okay, so this is it. This is it. So what happens is some folks say God is good, and people do a response back all the time. Okay, I knew it. As I saw you coming in the back door, I'm like, this person knows the answer. Okay, we're going to try this again. All right, God is good? And all the time? Right, that's it. I know, I know. Okay. <laughs> all right, we're going to try one more time, one more time, one more time. God is good? And all the time? God, all good. God, all the good. 
God all the good, God all the good all the time. The good is God and the God is the good. The time God ain't good is the time God ain't. God ain't on time all the time. God ain't good all the time. God ain't God all the time. God ain't good. God ain't God. All the good ain't God all the time. All the good ain't God. All the good is the good and all the time that ain't God. Sometimes it's you. Sometimes you is God. The good God is you. All good, all God, all the time is you. Thank you guys for doing that little play along in the beginning. What was I going to say? I totally got up at 3 a.m. on East Coast time. No, 4 a.m. on East Coast time. I don't know what that translates to right now. I'm not good with numbers. Um, but, and I'm getting over a cold, so forgive me, for, forgive me. But, you know, sometimes when I select the poems to read, I do it not if I feel sad, but if I feel so, slow and solemn. So that's the kind of night we're in for. Um, but I, I love feelings. I think feelings are so good. Uh, ooh, you know? Um, and I'm just reading some of the work that I haven't had a chance to read on this this tour, so you guys are really, some of these I'm reading out loud for the first time, which is news to all of us. This will be exciting. Um, so this is called Finding a Black Queer Woman Love with Whom You Are Compatible With is like finding a watermelon seed lodged in the pupil of a whole fried chicken. I will be alone forever then. And how long is infinity? Does it measure itself in memories or moments? How many summer camp swing set weddings does it hold? How many dinners aside the Atlantic does it yield? Does it fossilize the broken bones, frameless doors, fractured promises collapsing like lungs and longing? Does it stretch past smashed phones and the lamp we fought one another for? How many sheer curtains have been torn from their panes before forever's end is reached? And do we ever arrive? I suppose not. And isn't that the jag? To go unresolved, unfinished, to push and give and turn over all your hands have learned to hold and then to still keep going, to be limitless in solitude, to be the void, vast and abyssal, a great and dark skyline spanning. Right along the same lines, anybody here in love? Yes. Oh, these are all ex poems, okay? <laughs> Sorry. No, but I'm I'm in love, so I, you know, we've moved past it, but it's nice to, you know, read these and heal out loud. I don't think I've read this one out loud before, so this is exciting. It's called Time Capsule. And you can imagine, right? It has taken centuries to arrive here. Sorry, these line breaks are really screwing me up. They're like the enjambments. I'm like, wow, that was a whole sentence. All right, time capsule. It has taken centuries to arrive here in the same room. I do not unlove. That is not the question. I love everyone I have ever loved intensely and against time. 
All I can remember though, when I am walking into the lounge, is the door. She is inside, and just as I have known, except there is a scarf keeping her hair. On the right of her face, a curl escapes to ask if I recall how she twisted the strand with her fingers, and I know the resolve viscerally. We go on here, and like this for ages, staring at the other stare, never ordering, ordering finally, finally ordering too many. She is smiling, and I am getting. My mouth cannot keep pace with my brain. My opening is an entry into a lifespan we miss. We sneak smokes in the bathroom. All that I say causes her to cry laughter. We are teenagers or old friends or old lovers who cannot unquarrel. It is so easy to relive and it is even easier to relive regret. And now I am thinking of the door again, why I walked through it, why I broke the door from its hinges, how we were naked and yelling, running about the house to and away from each other. That is the vehicle that delivered us here. And somehow we have arrived, a part and whole. So, a dyke walks into a bar, and the bartender asks if she wants to liquor. <laughs> a dyke walks around in the world, and the joke is on her. A dyke comes out the closet, and all the mouths cackle. All the hands pick up stones. All the mothers bury their daughters. A dyke does nothing, holds up the wall at the club, and all the femmes still ask this hoe's name. All the straight women lean in. All the lips part singing. A dyke prays in a temple, and a sanctuary sprouts eyes, and the walls grow teeth. A dyke cracks into a smile on a TV sitcom and doesn't outlive the season finale. A dyke finds solace in another dyke's arms, and just kidding, the joke is still on her. A dyke stumbles into a white queer party, and no one sees her. No one can unblend the nighttime from the nigga. A dyke drinks a beer at a gay club, and a gay man grabs her ass, reminds her that what is hers is not. A dyke brings a date to the family reunion and they both get hung from the family tree. A dyke waits for the bus and ha ha never makes it home. A dyke grinds on the dance floor and bullets bring her knees to a buckle and she falls out dead with laughter. So I decided to have a full out just gay queer section evo uh, evolution of it all. Um, so we're gonna move on to some love now, yeah? Yes, okay. <laughs> You're like, wow, okay, I'll, I'll take that as permission. Um, yeah, so totally like in a lovely long distance relationship and yeah, I love my partner. Um, and she's great and wonderful. Um, and a genius, which is a plus, huh? Um, but she loves to dance, and it's, I don't love to dance, but I've learned to love to dance, right? And more specifically, learned to love to write dance poems. Um, so this, these are dance, I do dance odes in this little book. Um, I do an ode to the Chicago Two-Step, 
um, the Millie Rock, because I just think it's interesting, um, the electric slide, and of course, to twerking. And she just like sometimes will be in the middle of a serious political conversation, and she'll just start twerking, and I'm like, I don't, I don't know if I should like celebrate your joy or should I be upset because the world is burning and I'm trying to talk to you and you're dancing, which is, you know, a, a resistance all itself. So anyway, the poem is about that. Um, and it's a villanelle, which means there's these weird rhyme schemes happening. Um, it's called twerk villanelle because I'm very clever for Valentine. My girl positioned for a twerk session. Knees bent, hands below the thigh, tongue out, head turned to look at her body's procession. She in tune, breath in, breasts hang, hips freshen, she slow whine. Post waistline to a beat bled for her. Ungilt the knees for the session. Fair saint of vertebrae. Backbone blessing. Her pop in innate. Her pop out self-bred. Head locked into her holy procession. Dance is proof she loves herself. No questions, no music required, no crowd needed. She arched into a gateway protecting. This dance is proof she loves me. No guessing, a Bronx bedroom and we hip to hip threaded. She turned to me, trans by her possessing. She coils herself to and calls forth a legend. Round bodied bootied, bounce a praise ballad. She break hold, turn hold in a twerk session, body charmed, spell bent toward progressing. Boom. Okay. Um, this next one is also, <laughs> it's, uh, you know, okay. So I'll, tell, I'll start by saying this. Toni Morrison says that, you know, if there is a story that you want to read and it hasn't been written, then you must write it, right? And so I had th been thinking a lot about queer sex and not like reading it, that, reading about it that much. And I was like, man, that's interesting. And I wonder what that's like. So I have been, I have been exploring that more in my writing. Um, but one time in particular, you know, I was at my partner's house and she was like, babe, like, let's have sex. But in my brain, I was making a sandwich. So it was like a really hard dilemma right in that moment. And I feel like I froze, you know, and humans, they have these needs and like, Sex and food are really close together, you know? So I had to decide in that moment, and I decided to write a poem, right? I was like, this is a poem. Um, but the poem is about queer sex and desire and being fat and sexual desire and actual, you know, all of those things. Um, and it's, uh, it's a contrapuntal. So I'm gonna read it three ways. Um, one, I wish to eat. I want to gobble up my sweetie pie. A divine ass plated. I salivate. I want to lick her legs, thighs, and breasts cantaloping. Secretion, seed, skin, swallowed all. She is clean and devoured. I banquet the bedroom, burst the seams of her throat. I gluttonless my sugar plum. Keep the bones, slim relic. Heave into her arms satiate my sap tooth all over the satin sheets. Two, I wish to eat what my partner does not. My girlfriend, cautious lover of food, 
Seize me, lie stuffed full from meat, oiled in my mouth, bulging gut for her to feast upon. I am splayed and uneaten, lard meal, we purge the night away. She can't fit me inside, stomach wretch at the sight, cake pop, waste the flesh for the love of feeling famished. Probe me with the fork, spew the fattened darling all over the satin sheets. Three, I wish to eat what my partner does not and this is how we love. I want to gobble up my girlfriend, cautious lover, my sweetie pie, a divine ass of food sees me lie plated. I salivate, stuff full from meat. I want to lick her legs oiled in my mouth, bulging gut, thighs, and breasts cantaloping for her to feast upon. Secretion, seed, skin, swallowed all. I am splayed and uneaten. She is clean and devoured. Lard meal, we purge the night. I banquet the bedroom, burst away. She can't fit me inside the seams of her throat. Stomach wretch at the sight. I glutton lust my sugar plum and cake pop waste the flesh. Keep the bones, slim relic, for the love of feeling famished. Heave into her arms, probe me with the fork, satiate my sap tooth, spew the fattened darling all over the satin sheets. Give me a second. I wrote this book, you know, I've, it's been on the road. So I'm like, where am I even at? Okay. Um, I'm going to switch gears just a, a little bit. Um, I was doing a show in Boston um, and at a school um, some odd, like a very long time ago. <laughs> some very long time ago. And I say, I say that because it took me also a long time to write the poem, some years to write the poem. Um, but I was doing a show and he says, don't be offended when I say this, but you remind me of Biggie Smalls. And, uh, you know, it just bothered, it, it, I held on to it. It was heavy for me. And that was something I carried. And I was like, huh, what does that mean? Huh? Right. And then some odd years later, of course, it always is like 20 years later then I write a poem. No, it's not, it wasn't 20 years. Um, so this poem is about that and it's called Notorious. After I read, the boy with the long, blonde, shaggy ponytail says, your set was amazing. Like, don't be offended when I say this, but you remind me of Biggie Smalls. If I shouldn't be offended, why do you say something you believe has a chance of offending me? Offend meaning to hit, to strike against. When he says offend, does he mean the fatness is the strike or the blackness is against me? He says this and I become who he believes I am. My hands thicken, my fingers plump, my long twist shrivels into a short afro. My cheeks tumor typhoons. My lips are fat and pink. Each word drags itself out my mouth like a guarded hearse. Each line break squeezes a rap, a dance, a song beat for this boy tonight. 
Biggie Smalls and I are both Geminis. We're both twins of each other. We're both tar, dark, thick. It's a wonder how we heave and heave and heave and stand behind a mic at all. We all black and ugly as ever. However, we spell well, B-I-G, all rhyme and good time. We both love it when you drive by and call us big. Papa, ain't you ever been popped off? Been shot at, been blown up like the world trade. Don't you like your meat center medium? Brown skin, riff, red nectar, running off the curb of the plate. The difference between a fat black man rapping and a fat black dyke palming is in the cadence of the eulogy spit. Or the difference between a fat black man rapping and a fat black dyke palming is in the faith of the women who love to love us back. It is September 2016. I'm in Texas reading poems on a stage outdoors. Perspiration jogs from my tight curls and finds shelter along my lips. My underarms are literally a swamp and still I do a rap I wrote and they laugh. Despite the heat, they sing along. Arms reach up in surrender and I am a secular God. A holy, holy. Words jet out my mouth like jamboree and I worry I look too much like a concert, like black joy leaping, like a hip hop song in the 80s, a house party walled in saturation like summertime, like somebody, everybody wanna be a part of, like a sweet jam, sweating, blasting, juicy. Just getting some water, don't mind me. How are you guys doing? Yeah? Okay. Okay. <laughs> Thanks. Okay, that was good. I heard a laugh. That's good. That's good. Okay. Um, I'm gonna, I wanna this do this poem. I, I hardly ever get to do it, but I'm gonna do it. And the last time I did it, my friend said it was weird. She was like, that was weird. And I was like, thank you. But anyway, I noticed I wrote a lot about bus stops in my poems. And I was like, I, I just think bus stops are really weird. And they're like these city, these urban like centers. And it's so vulnerable, you know? They're like just open. Like people are just at, on a corner. It's just weird. I don't, it's just, it's a lot. Anyway, but I had so many poems. I think they're just points of intersections, right, and intersectionality, for some reason these things are connected to me, um, and just vulnerability. And, you know, I've also heard all of these terrible stories about bus, or people standing on bus stops. So, anyway, I wrote a bunch of sonnets about it. <laughs> and this is why she said it was weird. It was a bunch of sonnets, it's a crown of sonnets about the bus stop, okay? Um, and it's called, The Bus Stop is Crowned Motif. One. The bus stop is often memorial ground, often a street corner, which is a waving white flag, a signal to cease, 
The headlights shine fright at just the right second, and I count it an urban miracle. The man has not asked me for something I will not give. The girls do not want my shoes. The chase is not for my body, dark, fat, and queer. Those who have the least are often offered up at a crossroad. Those in need are often slain in the dead of mourning. Those in power smile, name this a just fate. Palms grip to makeshift knives when we travel as to not be the tale they warned us of. Two, as to be neither feared fable nor tale, we lace keys and pencils and fingers. Move in packs to avenues well lit. We clench fair. We do not sit on the bench. We stand. Percy tells me of the time the lady at the beauty supply store saved his life. Five boys from high school up the street wanted what he had and what I guess they didn't. His sneakers, his jacket, his life. Either way, he said he didn't mind fighting if it meant living. He fell into the store, boned as one does a sanctuary when waiting for God to show mid-plight, patient, armed, and watching for the ride toward home. Three, armed and watching for the chariot home. The shelter is shattered cemetery of looking glass beneath my feet, and I wonder who was it that came undone here. I think of Sakia, a black girl more her daddy than her mother. She and the Lord Sky got the same complexion when, he, when she leaves the pier to wait for a bus on a corner. A man drives by, stops, catcalls, and don't take lesbian as an answer. Does what any man would do in such a threatening situation. He grips his knife, and it is her, I know, pooling at my feet as I wade and wait for what may never show. Four, I wade and wait for what may never show. I think on how often people who look this wide, my shade, and squeeze tween ma'am and sir are thrust against curbs, are those closest to a lineage of death. When two or more margins meet at an edge, they create a jagged funeral. Take any hood post, a flag or shrine in glory. The difference is in the length of time the blood has had to blot. I do not tuck a blade when I travel to places memories will not take me. Night, prayer, or bodies, I can hear the surface crack can hear the bursting engine sounding toward the memorial. Gang, gang. All right, I'm going to do two more. Is that cool? Yes. Um, okay. And maybe if folks have cute questions, you know, feel free to ask some questions. But I also want to let you guys know, genuinely speaking, it's okay to not have questions. Okay. That's a norm here. All right. This is... Um, called after James Brown. Say it. Say it. Say it loud. Say black. Say it. Say it loud. I'm black and I'm proud. Say it. Say it. Sing it. Sing it. Say it. I'm proud. Say it loud. Say it black. Black. Look at here, it. 
it say black. Say it black. Say I black, it black. I black, it black. I black, all right now, say it. Say it, sing it. Say it, say it proud. Say it loud, say it black. Black it, black it proud. Black it loud, say it loud. I'm black, it black. I'm black, it black. It loud, good God, it loud. Say it loud and black. Say it loud and it black. Say I'm black and I'm loud. Good God, say it back. Say it back, black. Say it proud, black. Proud black. Proud black, black. Say it. Say it back. Say it here. Look, 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 look at here. Sing it. Sing it. Say I'm black. I'm loud. Say it. Good God, sing it. Lord, Lord. And then this is my last poem. <laughs> You know, it was what's so funny is that on the plane here, I guess this is only funny to me. If you can tell, I really love dark humor, you know, like just. Um, but I was watching a Joker, <laughs> which is just terrible. And that's what I was thinking about. I was reading it. I was like, he was really laughing in that movie, you know. Um, OK, so this is the last one. And then we'll open it up for Q&A or for shopping or whatever it is that you want to do, you know. Um, but I've been playing a lot with futurism and um, Afrofuturism specifically. And this is one of the dance odes, but I'm th uh, thinking of reimagining the electric slide as a vehicle of sorts. Um, and it's called The Electric Slide Is Not a Dance. Man. I want to preview you to a little secret. Come close now. Good. <laughs> so, what you need to know is the electric slide is not a dance. It's a transmission code. What I'm trying to tell you is every time I need to leave here, Every time I need to get to a place that feels like my mama's cooking or my brother's cackle booming from soot, I sound the gathering. I bring out the trumpets and the horns whenever I need to shake this crypt dust settling my bones, I turn my stereo up. Just the other day, so-and-so tells me he wants me to teach him the moves. Man, I can't teach style. Can't learn blood to drum post to a sound so slick, a glide, so free, it ain't. Can't teach him or nobody else who not from where we from what's innate. I mean, man, shit, there is a place I need to get to, a grin I need to spread, a quaking of my foundation ungrounded from laughter, the codes an impenetrable thing. How the slide is suave, how the takeoff or the count off is the dip low, the downswing recollects our plot of land on this earth. Picking a leg high, a knee raised, a turn to the left is the way we know to leave our massacre behind, man. The dance floor is a square padlock you can't crack. Each space we take there is meant for us to occupy. Each brethren is attached to our sides, our fronts, our backs. This pattern is a shield against depression or oppression or hunger hanging out of someone's blue eyes. Our bodies arrange a constellation in memory of the boy who was slain with no indictment. 
for the guillotine girl who went forgotten, for the housing stacked like the gut of the ship, the dogs and the waters, the blast off happens and sink in our spirit rupture ceilings. We ritual, sacred, secret, originators of a beat cascading. The electric slide is how we leave here. It's how we ascend. This kinship is how we get to a place named joy and go home. That's blood. History, man. Ain't no teaching that. Thank you guys so much. I totally just woke up on here. You know, I know I was like reading, you know, whispering in the beginning, but that's how it is, you know. But um, if anybody has questions or not questions, da da da. No, I'm just kidding. But seriously, do folks have questions? Boop, we'll go here and then there. I mean, it takes a long time. Honestly, with that last poem, as soon as I finished, I was like, that's the best I've ever performed it, you know. It's taken me a long time to get into that poem. So it definitely starts with a pen. I definitely start with pencil, preferably. Very sharpened. No, I do a lot of research first. And then I set a timer for like seven minutes. And then I try to write everything that I've gathered in my research in that seven minutes. And then I close that and come back the next day and edit it for eight hours. <laughs> so, yeah, that's my typical process. It's, it's been, you know, good to me so far. Go ahead. Say it again. No, I don't. Say more. I need to look this person up. Don't leave. I want to get the name. Yeah. Yeah. Do you get them confused, or does it does the other one feel open too? I'm curious. Okay, that's good. That's great. I don't know. They both, I think they yield two different kinds of freedom. But I think, I would say I'm appreciating the freedom and constraint more. You know, like if you are disciplined and you say, every morning I'm going to get up and run. That's not me. But if you're that person, I imagine there is some kind of liberty that comes with that, of having that structure. But that's how I feel about the poem, is that there's definitely liberty. But there's also this liberty of saying, I'm just going to write whatever. And, you know, it's going to be the shape of a bookcase which it's all it is. I don't know. That was a creative. But anyway, anybody have more questions? I really love silence, too. I'm awkward. No. <laughs> Nice. <laughs> 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 
Yeah, totally. I feel like I laugh because I feel like that's what my people in my cohort are thinking. Like, why are you here? You know, A, I like to steal resources. You know, nobody wants to be dumb. No, that's what I always say. But I'm like, actually, there for one, I need, I'm good with deadlines. Deadlines really help me. It's nice to have a structure. And I found myself doing a lot of organizing and teaching. And so I was like, I'd actually need that for myself as well. Like the teaching or like the instruction or like somebody just hand me a syllabus. You know, I could totally be out of the MFA with the syllabus, you know, if I had a syllabus. But I don't even know if that's true. I think I really just enjoy, again, the, sh the freedom that comes with the structure, so to speak. Um, and I think it's also nice to like ha to have something do and to hear other people's thoughts on it. And also, I like to give feedback. Maybe I'm too judgmental. I don't know. But it, it helps me in my own writing, you know. But it, it really is nice to have people to talk to. You know, I also know for, like, so many people it's not good for them. Or, like, people, I know a lot of great writers who are not, who have dropped out of, the MFA, and who oftentimes gets sad at workshop, you know, workshop voice or something like that, right? So, like, I feel like I'm just touching on that phase, like, right in that moment. I'm, like, right there. So, of getting, like, Ugh. so. But anyway, yeah. I'm an MFA because, uh, yeah, I need books to read. I need a list of books. No. Um, any more? Um, I'm at the Poetry Lounge on Tuesday. Yeah. Yes. But feel free to come. Yeah. Any more? I told you it's okay, too, if you don't. <laughs> okay. I, I love silence. Let's see. One more. No, I'm just kidding. Okay. Thank you guys so much. Thank you for being here and listening and engaging. And have a good night. You've been listening to the Skylight Books author reading series. Don't forget, you can listen to this and all of our other great podcasts at skylightbooks.com. Thanks again for stopping by, and we hope to see you soon.